0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Media Mates Podcast. My name's Ralph Tucker. Each week, I'll chat to somebody I've met from my career in and around the media industry. All of them have such great stories to tell. I'm not Michael Parkinson or Andrew Denton, but I do enjoy chatting to interesting media people about where they've been, where they're headed next, and everything else in between. My guest today is Victoria Owens from Channel 9. Victoria has been working in Sydney media for over a decade, starting in radio with 2SM and 2GB, then in TV at Channel 9, working at A Current Affair and on the Today Show. She chats about how she got her start, the challenges of working on live television and her involvement in one of the all-time great radio bloopers. Victoria is one of the loveliest people you'll ever meet, so I really hope you enjoy our chat.
1: (music) Hello, Victoria Owens. Hello, Ralphie. How are you? How are you going? Very good. A little tired, but otherwise pretty good.
0: Now you've just come off a shift at the Today Show, Channel Nine.
1: I have, yes.
0: Where you're a producer there. How's yes. that all going for you?
1: Senior producer. Don't forget. All right. We'll
0: <laughs> put that on the business card. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, because of that title, I have to start work at one thirty in the morning. Um, so it's a little rough, but um, it's a pretty fun shift. Um, if it was any other time of the day. It would be amazing but because of the morning it, it makes it a little bit harder but it's it, it is the best shift because you're you know you're in the control room when the show is going to air you're very connected to the show you're making decisions that you then put to air so it's more exciting um, but yeah it does come at the cost of sleep.
0: Now what's that other shift involved then so you're on the obviously the earliest possible one but there's obviously yeah. another one that sort of people have to be there for preparation for the show as well.
1: Yeah, so thankfully I don't have to do this shift all the time. I get to do a sort of normal nine to six shift um, where I can, you know, produce packages with the hosts and go out and forward plan things like we do outside broadcasts around Australia. And so we do a lot of stuff like that as well. Um, But there is a whole team of people uh, during the day that gets the show ready for the next day. And then I come in with another team of people and we put it to air from the control room.
0: So how many people would actually work on the show itself?
1: Uh, Uh, I'd say around she 20 to 30 or so but that probably includes you know cameramen directors assistants and so forth
0: all right let's go back to where it all started for you media was that something that was on your radar from when you were a kid or is it something that you sort of discovered that you wanted to sort of try out later in life
1: I actually wanted to work in magazines. Um, I did my year 10 work experience at NW Magazine. Oh, okay. uh, Which is still around, thank God. Um, And so I had a real sort of interest in entertainment news and that sort of thing and then I went in there and I just loved – how it was pacey and fast and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, my dad was also a journalist. Okay. So he was at the Sunday Telegraph and I also went and did work experience with him and, again, just I loved just the vibe, the feel, everything that was going on, people rushing around. I got to do stuff, like I got to write stories um, at both of those places, which I was just totally stoked with. I couldn't believe that, like, they were going to use my words.
0: In year 10, is that right?
1: Uh, in year 10 and then again in uh, first year uni as well. Oh, okay, great. Oh, but they were like the tiniest little snippets, honestly. <laughs> like my name wasn't on them or anything. Um, but that was really exciting for me. Um, and just to have Dad there as well to talk about, um, you know, news and all that sort of stuff.
0: So what did he do at the at the paper?
1: He was a reporter. Uh, he sort of did crime and courts. Um, and then later in life he um, became a sub Um, and then eventually he retired because, you know, the industry was changing so much and he was getting older and he was like, I don't really need to do this anymore. So, um, he sort of stepped out, but he sort of gave me, I guess, a passion for news and, um, current events and so forth. So I guess it came from there. Um, and then it sort of grew and grew the more work experience I did.
0: Did you then decide that that was the career path for you, so you had to apply for uni? Well, what was the, the yeah, step?
1: Yeah, so uh, I wanted to go to Charles Sturt University. My sister had gone there as well and loved it, um, and I had a couple of friends who were considering going there, so that might have twisted my arm a little bit as well. Um, but Dad had said it was a really good communications course, Um and I had a really good reputation and the lecturers were all journos and they push you into work experience as well throughout the entire course. Um, so all my uni choices were for there, so if I didn't get into journalism, I was going to try and get into another course and transfer across. Yep. Like Basically, I was putting all my eggs in one basket, um, but luckily, I did get into the course I wanted and uh, never looked back. I guess because it's
0: got to be a pretty smart cookie to get in there, don't you? Like you know, the <laughs> TR back in the day, I don't know what it is, the UAE or whatever they call it, uh, was like something ridiculous up around you know 97, 98 percent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's my Charles Sturt's great as well because. Because you've got to submit a whole bunch of essays. Um, So you get in from your essays as well as your TER as well. But um, I guess they look at how you're writing and how into it you are and then you get in through that. So I got in on my first choice and, yeah, it, it's it's a great uni because they've got their own newspaper, their own radio station and their own little TV station. So you're getting hands-on experience. They're using news programs that, you know, they use at 2GB and stuff like News Boss and so forth. So you're already learning the programs that are going to take you into the industry um, as well as, like, everyone's on campus so you're all doing the same projects at the same time so you can all sort of work hard at the same time when you need to and also party Hard when you need to <laughs> together. <laughs> it
0: has that quite that reputation for both those things. What is it? Yes. Is it the fact that it was so hands on that allows so many people to graduate from there and make their way? I wouldn't say a, a, a smooth transition because everybody's got to find their own mm. way into the industry, but it seems as though there is a whole lot of people that come out of their ready made
1: to work. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and not only that like I I still remember one of the first lectures I went to our lecturer said uh, by the end of this year, this room will be split in half. You'll, half of you will have dropped out by the end of the third year, there'll only be a handful of you. And he was absolutely right. Like after, by year three, so many people had dropped out. He's like, half of you think you're going to become an author through this course. Few of you think you might become like a getaway presenter. So they really drilled into us from the start, how, realistic we needed to be if we wanted to get into the industry and also the fact that you know you're not just gonna be an anchor straight away as well so don't have those expectations either um but then I think the people who do take it seriously and who do really just want to work in the industry because it's they're passionate about it they're the ones who then can sort of go through and I think they're the ones you see um doing so well so um you know people like Edwina uh, Bartholomew um Laura Tunstall Kelly Fedor um You know, there's heaps of people there. I mean, I work with half of them, but um, they're sort of really good examples of people a year above me who've sort of gone through. Latika Burke was in my year. Um, There's a few others as well. I'm trying to remember names right now. but Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's just sort of uh, not only that as well, but – We also get taught to get out into the industry as soon as possible and do work experience in the holidays and whenever you've got free time and the whole last year of uni is pretty much just work experience and that's actually a component of your qualification is to do a whole term of it.
0: Okay. Um, So where did you do yours? uh, TGB. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, And absolutely loved it. Had such a good time, was just so amazed at how – fast they moved, um, how many stories they covered. Um, yeah, it was, it was so amazing to me. And I'd done a lot of radio in uni and I'd done um, I sort of did the best at my radio subjects than any other. So I kind of thought I should go down that path.
0: So what was with the transition? Because obviously you mentioned there before you had this real interest in print and then all of a sudden during uni yeah. it was like a complete sort of mind shift in a way.
1: Yeah. Well, I love writing so I think that's where that came from. Um. So I just assumed – and my dad was in print so I think I was just sort of following that because that's all I knew. Um, But – yeah, I actually just started doing better in my broadcast subjects. Um, I think because I liked the idea of using sound in things and using vision as well, which sort of has come down the track. Um, but I like sort of bringing everything in together to tell a story rather than just sort of black and white on paper. Um, but also, I guess you need points you towards a newspaper route rather than magazines anyway. So yep. I just, I don't know, I, I didn't have as much of an interest in that and, I, and as a result I didn't do as well. Um, so that's why I sort of ended up going down the broadcast path.
0: So who was around then in those early days of your work experience before you actually left uni that um, you learnt from? That Which programs did you work on?
1: I just worked in the newsroom. Yep. Um, Rowan Barker was there then, I remember. Um, Brett Zar was another one. He I went out with him. Um, And he obviously later became a friend years later. Um, And Jess Pelluccione was there, Jason Morrison. Um, So, yeah, such amazing journos who I still look up to as well. So, um, yeah, it was was a really good lesson. They also let me write things, which some places you do work experience, you just sort of sit in a corner. Yeah. And even as much as you ask and ask and ask, they just sort of say, well, no, but
0: yeah, yeah, just sit there yeah, and watch. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I can't trust you with this. Um, but I do remember I wrote a lot of scripts and Rowan Barker did actually go through them and and he sort of critiqued me and told me where I'm going well and where I'm going wrong and 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 that for me was amazing because I'd never had that before.
0: Is that something that you now look to do if you? Um, have an intern or a work experience person that you look to to help them or do you feel as though modern media the way it is you don't necessarily have the time that people perhaps may have used to have had when you were coming through?
1: Yeah well I'm a real sucker so I know how I I struggled a little bit at the start to to get places. Um and so I have a soft spot for people who try and do the same. So when we do have interns, I do try if I can, it also depends on my hours, to really take them aside and and show them, you know, this is how we do this and this is how this should be done and so forth. Um but I've also had a, a lot of people come through to me recently through LinkedIn. Um, and I've done a few talks, uh, media talks and stuff as well about how the Today Show works and how to pitch to journos with PR people as well. And through that, I've had a lot of coffees with people on just like how to get into the industry, what they should do, how they should approach journos, all this sort of thing. Um, and so, I get, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind taking the time out for things like that. Do you
0: find that rewarding? Because obviously, like I said, not everybody has the time to sort of do that kind of thing and make yourself available to pass on your knowledge and I guess – mentor people, which is essentially what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I get a lot out of it. I do like helping people. Um, and also, th- because of my shifts, I have the time to meet up with people, and I like to keep myself busy during the day so I'm not falling asleep. So if I can meet someone for a coffee, it's really no skin off my back, and if it's going to help them, you know, it's nice to do something nice for someone.
0: So how did the big break come about then, straight after uni?
1: Well, I applied at 2SM uh, as my first job out of uni, but I did apply for it halfway through my third year. So that's when you're pretty much just doing work experience from then yeah. on and assignments. So I could do it from distance if necessary. So I actually started at 2SM in my last year of uni and, um, Basically, all our lecturers prepare us so that we can start applying for jobs before everyone else graduates. So it gives us a couple of months head start, which yep. obviously was invaluable. Um, and, yeah, and I got the job amazingly and so did um, a good friend from uni, Emily Smith, who we started at the same time and ended up following each other through uh, each other's careers as well. But um, that was essentially my big break because – that got me into a newsroom, a Sydney newsroom as well, I thought I was going to have to go to the country. Yeah. Part of me regrets not going to the country because I do hear stories about how fun it was. Um, I also sort of wish maybe I had tried country TV as well um, and seen how that would have gone. But other than that, yeah, 2SM was a great start. And probably we all joke like it's probably one of the funnest jobs we'll ever have because it was – a whole group of girls who we're still friends with and just writing the news and, you know, in between that giggling and having a good time and, yeah.
0: I've spoken to about five or six people that that was their first port of call. Everybody has their own different story about it, but like you said there before, it was kind of like a country radio station
1: in the city city yeah.
0: because while people don't necessarily listen to it in a great volume, you're still preparing bulletins and you're also preparing bulletins for the regional areas as well. So um, it's sort of one of those things that, you know, while everybody may be a little bit embarrassed about the fact that they started at 2SM, it's actually quite a strong breeding ground for future journalists.
1: Totally. Uh, It's a great breeding ground. I mean, from the day one, you're reading bulletins, you're writing scripts, you're doing interviews, uh, you know, recording sots and so forth. So straight away, you're thrown in the deep end, which is a good thing. Like, they're not trying to make you sound bad or look bad or anything. They're just trying to get you in there straight away so that you can grow faster. And essentially, most people don't stay there too long because they pick it up so quickly and, and then run with it.
0: What did you learn from that experience?
1: Um, for me, I really learned, um, how to become a better newsreader. I think when I first started, I wasn't so great. And so because I was reading, you know, six bulletins a day or something like that, um, you start to really develop your voice more and more and more. And so then, and obviously my goal was then to try and get to 2GB cause that was number one. And so I knew I had to get my voice better so that I could then give them tapes to say, look how Good eye sound, um, as well as just sort of improving my writing, trying to get, you know, tighter scripts. So, you know, it's not taking up too much time, um, out of your bulletin. And I also learned strangely about, um,
0: weed carpet.
1: Oh, yeah. The carpet on the walls was pretty horrendous. Um, but a lot about sport. They had a really strong sports program there. Um, with a lot of people who've now gone on to like Triple M and, and TV and so forth. Um, and I had to write the sports news every day. Um, so I had to learn pretty quickly about sport because I didn't know anything about it before then.
0: Right. Okay. So how important was that for you to sort of get those things all together? Because that's a common thing, I guess, in radio newsrooms that there's not a lot of interest in sport from some of the people that do it. Mm-hmm. So but it's a, it's a vital component of every news bulletin totally. that you do because yeah, I can know. guarantee that, you know, if you fluff the finance figures, somebody may or may not ring up, but I can guarantee <laughs> if you get a score wrong, somebody will yeah. ring up for sure. So yeah. to actually learn what's important and prioritise sport as well as all of the news aspects must have been something that you had to take on board and, and also um, adapt fairly quickly.
1: Yeah, Um I really enjoyed it and at the end I absolutely loved sport and I loved um, seeing who had won each week and I started following like the rabbitos back then and seeing how they were going and and really sort of actually taking an interest because I had to really. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that was actually quite a cool perk.
0: And how did you then progress to 2GB was the next stop? Was it? Yeah, you?
1: yeah. So I... Um, was talking with Jason Morrison who was the sort of interim news director at the time and um, I'm a very big networker so I had been to many 2GB drinks and media drinks things in the lead up. Um, Emily who had been at um, SM with me, she'd already gone across um, so I was keen to join her. And, uh, yeah, I just sort of got talking and spruiked myself, I guess, and said, you know, I listen to these people (laughs) every day and I can do just as good a job as them and and sent them my latest tapes and and eventually they offered me a job, which is fantastic.
0: So you go from 2SM where, you know, to be fair, there's probably not many people listening to Mm. to 2GB, Sydney's number one radio station (laughs) where everybody's listening. Yeah. And... The fact that you've been in their own work experience, did that help you adjust to what you had to do once you got employed
1: there? Uh, I guess a little bit, even in so basic a fact as I knew how to get around, like I knew where everything was in the building um, and I knew a few people there. Um, and, yeah, I kind of knew how it ran. I knew they did news Boss and so I knew I could do that because we had that at 2SM. So, yeah, it it wasn't too hard a transition and, um, you know, they had me writing stories and so forth every day. Actually, I remember my very first day I was sent out to do a court story, which I had never done before and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but luckily there was another reporter at the story, Dan Sutton, I think, and he had been a friend already um, And he had taken me under his wing and showed me where I have to go and what I need to do and what information I'm supposed to get and so forth, so...
0: How daunting is that, going to court on your first day? Not, <laughs> Very
1: daunting. Like
0: not knowing the the, the procedures of, of, of court and everything like that and then I assume you'd have to be, you know, filing on the hour and doing all those things. It's just like, wow, this is a bit of a whirlwind here, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, luckily for me it was more just, which I didn't realise at the time, it was more just sending me out to get some information and I don't think it ended up being a story worth reporting on. It was more just to see where the court case was heading. Um, and I think actually Edwina came out, oh, came out and met me, um, after they probably realized it might've been a bit too much on my first day. Cause I, I remember I did end up getting a lot of help because I, I genuinely didn't know what to do. I'd never sort of really been out of the office at 2SM, um, apart from Beaconsfield <laughs> was the one thing they sent us to. um, And so, but from there, I was a little bit more confident. I mean, the more times you get out on the road, the more reporters you meet, um, the more people you speak to and interview and so forth, then you kind of pick up your confidence. So it becomes less and less scary, I guess.
0: So you went to Beaconsfield. They sent yeah. you
1: there? Yeah, how that was, was the one place. How,
0: how was that experience? <laughs> that like, was, for, so that was for, oh, that was said for 2SM? For 2SM. Though,
1: yeah, just going back a step. Um, yeah, so Beaconsfield, when it was all happening, all of a sudden Bill Corrales, who owns 2SM, came downstairs and um, said to our news director, should we be covering this? And our news director, Die, was like, y- yeah, yeah, we're covering it. And he's like, no, do you think we should send someone? And she's like... Yeah, if if we can. Um, so they decided to send Emily, um, my best friend, and myself.
0: So two of you went down there for tourists.
1: Yeah, because I think because we were so young they were very hesitant to send us by ourselves. Right. Um so we got to go together, which was great. Unfortunately the decision had been made so late that we arrived the morning they got out. So we missed that. (laughs) So that was great timing, Um, and we got we we arrived there for um, I think it was Larry (coughs) David's funeral.
0: Larry Knight, yeah.
1: Larry Knight's funeral, and um, all the aftermath. I guess we we sort of went went around and did voxies with the locals. And just filed reports. There was a lot of press conferences every day, so we were kind of covering those. Bill Shorten was down there and all over everything. Um, Eddie McGuire was down there buying everyone drinks all the time. And when I say everyone, I mean all the locals, not all the journos. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so there was still a lot to report on, but it was kind of...
0: Good after the event.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, it's typical to Oh, you well, missed
0: all the boring stuff and them being stuck down the hole for yes, like two weeks and we yes. were there for the end. You know? One
1: thing I do remember though is that uh, because there was no accommodation because obviously the world's media was on this tiny one-street town, uh, we had to stay in a caravan so Em and I were like bunked up together in a little caravan and yeah, that always um, stays quite firm in my memory of Beaconsfield because <laughs> it was freezing.
0: So going back to the 2GB days, obviously yeah. you would have been as part of the station there a, a junior, so you would have been expected to do um, a lot of the, you know, overnight shifts and a whole lot of weekends and all of those things that mm. you have to do to yeah. earn your stripes because, you know, the more senior people are in the more established position. Yeah, so exactly. tell me about that. What was that like to actually have to sacrifice your life in many ways to <laughs> – for the position that you wanted to do. You're not getting paid a lot, the hours are crap, Mm, but you (laughs) you
1: love the job, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Look, I thought it was really fun. I actually liked the weekends because they were a bit calmer um, and you kind of had more time to really develop what you wanted to do and have a think about how you wanted to do things. Um, And also the weekend team was also pretty cool. Uh, They were a really nice group of people. Um, And so I was doing um, reading sort of between breakfast program and also Ray Hadley's afternoon program Um uh, reading the news then and then during the week on you know three days during the week I would be out reporting so I had a really nice mix of in studio stuff as well as sort of like out on the road stuff so for me that was a really good mix and it was a it was fine the fact that I didn't have weekends I'd already sort of Signed to the fact that I'd not have a life as a journo, my dad had told me that. So, And the pay, I was like, "Mm, hopefully one day it'll come, but I'm still pretty young, so I'm not too worried.
0: And so going out on the road, so did that mean that you were uh, had a round yourself or you were pretty much just whatever happened on that day?
1: Yeah, I was just in the general pool. Um, The people who had rounds when I was there were pretty much staying there for a while. Um, yeah, so I I kind of was resigned to the fact that, you know, I've just got to go and do whatever they send me to. And and to be honest, I actually really liked that because every day was different. You know, one day you're doing, you know, the Olympic Heroes Parade, the next day the Pope's arriving, then you're off to a crime scene, then you're in court. So I kind of like that mix because, you know, obviously that develops your skills better, but it just makes it more interesting and it sort of keeps you on your toes a little bit.
0: Then... I believe after that, overseas came calling for you to yes. do what many young people do and head off to, to Europe or to London or to yeah. do whatever, a bit of travelling, see the world. Um, how was yeah. that experience for you?
1: That was invaluable actually and I would highly recommend it to anyone who is young and considering moving overseas but is not sure about you know putting their career on hold. I put my career on hold and, yes, maybe I would be further ahead now than if I hadn't done that but But you wouldn't
0: have seen the world right
1: I have yeah I've absolutely seen the world and I've had the most amazing adventures and met the most amazing people and just had such fun and I think that's so important when you're young to just go out and do those things get it out of your system because by the end of it I was ready to come back and re-enter the media and go hard at it and I did um and and now I'm really happy
0: so did you do any media work while you were overseas or did you just completely divorce yourself from that and just do rubbish jobs just to get by to pay for drinking money? Because that's pretty much what I did when I was overseas.
1: Yeah, I, I took a break from media, um, to be honest, because I wanted to sort of as as stupid as it sounds, uh, experience working Monday to Friday, nine to five. And it was awesome because then I could really experience what London's all about, um, and save up and go to Europe, like, you know, go around Europe and so forth. So I got to be normal, or whatever normal is, (laughs) um, for a couple of years, which I really liked. I didn't have to have a really crappy job um, because I travelled so much. I came back and just took a a Christmas job, which then became full-time for the next two years. Um, And it was still an office job um, and it had some really good perks and it was really lovely people who I'm still friends with.
0: So what were you doing?
1: I was doing customer service at first. Yeah. But then obviously they could see I wasn't completed it. Um, so they started giving me more and more responsibility. So I got to do um, a little bit of help with their marketing, their online digital stuff, um, purchasing products because it was an online gift company that was sort of starting up. Um, yeah. And, and going out to the call center and teaching them how we should do things and going to the factory and making sure all that is like how we wanted it done, and yeah, it was really interesting. It was a really unique insight into the business world um because I'd never had anything like that. I didn't know anything about marketing or yeah. or how business runs, and because it was so small, my boss let me just sort of soak everything up um yeah, so that was that was really interesting, but then by the end of it, I was ready to go back and keep writing and do some more media
0: now how did that path go to? getting back into media when you decided to come back home?
1: It was... Purely by chance at first, um, I came back for a very good friend who was also an ex-2SM journo, uh, Jodie Spears.
0: Yeah, she has been on the podcast.
1: Yes, uh, and she, um, at her wedding, obviously she married Ben Fordham who yep. was ex-ACCA, so there was a lot of ACCA people there. Um, I got talking to a few of them. They mentioned that there was a job going as a producer.
0: This is, this is the networking <laughs> you yeah. in full swing. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in my prime <laughs> and I was like, oh, Oh, really? Yeah, I could do that. Mm. Um, and literally I went in for a chat with um, the supervising producer there and and she said, why, look, why don't you come in and try some work experience just to see if you like it, see if it's the right fit for you because obviously you've done all this reporting um, and see if producing something you want to do. And actually at the same time, WSFM offered me a job um, for a news reading. Position. Um, and so I had a really, um, a really tough decision, uh, to make because I had either a current affair and uh, entry into TV, or I had, you know, a great radio job and also really good hours. Um, and so I kind of decided if I went with TV, it would be doing something different and trying something different and if I didn't like it, I could always go back to radio. Yep. Um, but it turns out I did and I loved TV and I especially loved Channel 9 um, and so there I stayed and there I still am.
0: So what did you like about A Current Affair and what it did for you?
1: Um, a Current Affair was a really good training ground for how to produce um a package and also a really well-produced package. Um, You know, they've got a really good formula of how they put stories together. Um, They've got amazing journos and amazing producers there and the editors there are absolutely fantastic as well. Um, So I just felt like I was working with some of the best of the best in the industry. Yeah. Um, And they taught me so much and, yeah, I learned how to put a package together and well, um, and sort of at the end of my time there, I was fortunate enough to do a story with Tracy, um, which was, I guess, the highlight. Um, and I got to write it all and help her, and 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 was, she really what liked was she like? it. She's really good and she gave me some really good feedback on my scripting like the first draft she's like I don't know if this works so I went back and 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 worked on it and I was really stressed and um because you know you just want to impress them yeah um and and so then I just worked really hard for the next couple of hours and then I went back to her a few hours later and I said okay I think I've got it I think this is this is much better and she looked at it and she's like this is great like this is so good like you've done such a great job with it um and so for me, that is like better than any pay rise because <laughs> you know she's such a veteran in the industry and she's also a great journo. Um, so that was that was a real highlight, and and that was thanks to, you know, other producers, you know, my supervising producer and, and boss who allowed me to do that story, um, and our editor Lara, who's still there, who's probably one of the best editors I've ever worked with.
0: So what did you find was the most challenging part adapting from your previous career in radio to TV? What is it the the, the language of TV is it the what other people have described as the writing for pictures is a little bit more difficult because in radio you've obviously got to paint the picture yourself because yeah. words are your greatest totally. asset.
1: Yeah. That was definitely harder. You have to write to the pictures, where yeah, you're so used to describing situations, you've got to let the pictures talk. And so that's why for a lot of stories, uh, the pictures and the the grabs you're getting from people, they end up telling the story almost as well without too much voiceover. Um, and some of the the really good writers hardly use any voiceover at all because they're sort of telling it in a way that the music sets the mood or something like that. Um, so that was definitely a challenge um, as well as just the using the program and understanding how everything worked, like going out and shooting pictures and and like what sort of overlay or footage do you need and like how do you do graphics and make put graphics in a story. That was hard for me. I, that took me a little while because I wasn't used to being so visually you know, involved, um, and and, and just yeah, mas- mostly just figuring out what we needed to cover what lines of the script. So, eventually, I f- yeah figured out like to tell the cameraman, okay, we need this shot and we need this shot and and yeah.
0: So, getting more confidence as you go along and working on a program that is such an institution, such as a current affair. Were you pinching yourself at certain stages just saying "Yeah, this is a pretty big deal here?
1: Totally, totally. And and while I was there, you know, Tracy was nominated for a Walkley. Um, there was a lot of good stuff happening. We were going from like losing the ratings to just smashing them and they still are. Um, a Current Affairs still gets over a million views, uh, viewers every night on the ratings um, and so for me, I was, and also just being part of Channel 9, and I know I've been there a while, so I, you know, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, <laughs> um, but it's such it's such an amazing place to work. I honestly couldn't talk more highly about it because everyone there is trying to help you do the best job that you can do because they're doing the best job they can do. So whether it's the cameraman, the sound recorders, the editors, the people in graphics, all the producers, all the reporters, like everyone is there to help. Um, It's a real team and you feel like you're part of a family and that makes you want to go in every day and just do the best job you can.
0: It's obviously bigger than the radio stations that you worked at. There's more people because there's more jobs to do. So who were the main people that when you first started there that that Helps you adjust to that situation?
1: Well, when I first started, I didn't really know too many people at Channel 9. Um, Stephanie Scroy um, was a real help for me. Um, she had been at this wedding and I'd met her at Jodie's wedding. And um, so she was, she kind of cushioned the blow of TV for me, as well as uh, Chris Urquhart, who was also um, at a current affair at the time. And he, Um, had been working at 2GB when I was there. So I knew him and and he sort of showed me around as well. But, I mean, everyone was so friendly and so nice and everyone was really helpful. I I can't really think of one main person, I guess, who sort of guided me and and showed me the way. But um, everyone was just lovely.
0: And what prompted the move to go from then A Current Affair to The Today Show?
1: I didn't ever feel like I really had a firm grasp of what an ACCA story was. So once I got handed one, I could do it, no problems. But I found that the stories I pitched, uh, you know, weren't always getting through. And
0: Is there a lot of that? Is there a lot of you having to come up with story ideas? Yeah, And then getting knocked on the head all of, all of the time or there's some that you think you're just going to throw out there that you think, may not be of standard and then all of a sudden someone thinks, that's a good idea, we'll run that story. Like yeah. take me through that pitching process. What, what is that like on a, on a daily basis? Because I'd assume like there'd be a chief of staff there that says, right, we're doing these stories and these are, these are the ones. So is a lot of it your initiative as well?
1: Yeah, it's really half-half. There is a chief of staff who does do that and especially they go through the papers and the radio station, listen to the radio stations all in the morning. Um, so they get a grasp of what the main news stories and, you know, stories that we could be doing as a same day are. Um, but then we've also got to make contacts with, you know, PR people and and other, other people, you know, long-term sort of stories that we might see in the papers that we think right now this isn't something but this could be something. So you've got to start making contacts with them and then you can pitch those ideas. So it's a real half-half between here's a story, do it, and I've got a story idea, can I do it? <laughs> um, and for me I found that I, I just – I found it hard to come up with stories. Um, I mean, I did get some and, and, and you know, the one with Tracy I did find and there were some really amazing stories I got to do. Like we, we did a lot of helping stories. Um, so, gorgeous woman who sadly has since passed away, but we helped renovate her house and, yep. and then we also gave her a wedding before she died because that's the one thing she wanted to do and that was, you know, so rewarding and such a lovely thing to be part of. Um,
0: What's it like when something like that comes off? Because there's a lot of planning and there's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of logistics and, like you said before, teeing up the right shots and doing the right crosses for the reporter and all of that things, and you're behind the scenes responsible for a lot of it. When it finally does come off in one of those you know, special stories that A Current Affair does, there must be that real feeling of of satisfaction and you sit back and you watch that show at night time and you just think, that was a whole lot of effort, but See, gee, we did a good job.
1: Yeah, you did something really good for someone and I love doing stuff like that. Um And it also makes you a better producer because you've got so many balls in the air, like you've got so many things to organize. Not only are you trying to produce a story, you're also trying to organize a whole house renovation or organize a whole wedding. So with both of those, I had to be in contact with plumbers, painters, uh, you know, chippies, chippies, um, and then on the other side, like dressmakers, florists, like hair and makeup people, yeah. uh, wedding venue operators. Um, so you do learn how to be extremely organized and make sure that every, all your ducks are in a row, um, which, again, it just makes you a better producer because essentially producing is organizing. So
0: Yeah, totally. So I'd imagine in a situation where the Today Show job came up You would have heard about it internally and you're able, once you're in the building, to leap across, which gives you a greater advantage than somebody that's trying to knock the door down to actually get in and and, and do it.
1: Definitely. It definitely has advantages. Uh, There wasn't actually a job going when I approached today's Show, controversially. Um, I had gone through a fairly big breakup and I felt like I needed to change something in my life and i felt my my job was probably the easiest thing um because i could keep doing the same thing every day but i was like i just felt like i needed a new challenge and i needed to just go do something totally different um so it wasn't so much anything against a current affair it was more that i just i needed because of external things that had happened to me i needed something different in my life so i went across to today um and
0: because they'd be rival camps, right, even though they're yeah. in the same network. It's yeah. still a current affair, Today yeah. show. And no
1: one wants to lose their staff to <clears throat> someone else or a different department. But um, Mark Albert was very kind and took me under his wing and uh, luckily hasn't looked back yet. <laughs> um, but it was this really good moment for me because from the get-go, I felt like everything clicked. Like I just got it, the ideas I pitched, Every idea he loved, um, even from the interview I had with him, I gave him some ideas in that and then he started adopting them the next day before I was even on the team. Right. Um, because I guess for me I was a Today Show viewer and have been a Today Show viewer for most of my life. So it was really easy for me to then think, oh, what would I want to watch, you know. Um, and so from there, yeah, I've just sort of worked my way up and um, to becoming sort of a senior and then a lineup producer. And now here I am.
0: So was there any temptation to go back down to the the news path again? Or was once that you had that taste of being a producer on a current affair, that's what you wanted to continue doing, albeit in a different show? Yeah.
1: I don't know if you ever lose that. I still definitely have a real keen interest in news. And sadly I've got like I'm going to subscribe to all the alerts so that as soon as something does happen anywhere in the world, I get an alert. Um, and one thing I probably do miss is using my voice. I loved news reading and I loved reporting. Um, but So so I guess to sort of curb that, I was doing a little bit of part-time work at Nova right. and Smooth FM on the weekends um, just to get a bit of extra cash but also keep using my voice and I absolutely loved it. Uh, once I was in there, but it was just hard to get in there after working five days during it's the day. It's exhausting,
0: work. right? Like, really especially exhausting. working those ridiculous hours that you yeah. would have to get in at uh, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then to do it again for breakfast on the weekends for radio, you know, yeah. there's a whole lot of burnout <laughs> factor that's going on there.
1: Yeah. And I started to feel like I needed to look after myself a little bit better. Um and also have a social life because I really don't have a social life during the week during these hours. So, yeah, I had to sort of give that up a little bit. Um, and also, you know, it was only very sporadic anyway. So um, it's not like I, I was putting anyone out or anything like that. Um, but I, I don't know. Ne- I never say never. Like I, I could end up going back into radio eventually. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know what the future holds.
0: Tell me about the main differences between A Current Affair and The Today Show. The hours obviously are one, but what are in terms of producing content, what's the, what's the main difference there between the two shows?
1: Yeah. Producing-wise, it's like chalk and cheese. So for A Current Affair, you're producing stories. You don't have anything to do with how it's put to air. You're just sort of organising everything and producing a package, and it's very isolated. Um, whereas when you are producing on the today show, you're in the rundown, you're making Moss IDs, which is like the clip that goes into the rundown, which then they press play once they're in the control room kind of thing. You put everything in from the straps you see on the bottom of the screen to any graphics that come up to any overlay that comes up, um, anything and everything you see on the television you're responsible for. Whereas at a current affair, it's just one little story, um, and everyone else looks after the rest. Yeah, okay. So it's much more hands-on. You've got much more control (coughs) over everything in the show or even just your segment but, um, you know, if you're doing a segment on just say, I don't know, Hamish and Andy or something, you are then helping the late senior producer with the teasers. So you've got to guide them as to what production you have organized and things like that. So. It's more of a group effort, whereas with ACCA you're kind of working on your soul stories separately.
0: Do you enjoy the fact that there is that collaborative nature to it, the fact that you're able to work as part of a team yeah. as opposed to <clears throat> or working as a like a micro team?
1: Totally. I thrive off working like that much more and I think that's why it felt like a better fit because um, everyone is just trying to help everyone and not that they're not trying to do that at ACCA but everyone's working very separately there, whereas for today's show everyone is just working to together and brainstorming and constantly trying to work out how we can do things better and move things on and and yeah, you definitely it's definitely a whole big team because three different groups of people are in that rundown every day and you've got to hand over to each group as the day progresses. So it's constantly people changing and adding and improving and yeah as the day goes on.
0: What's it like from behind the scenes when the show is actually going to air? Because we're talking about live television, three to four hours a day, (laughs) um, seven days a week now uh, for the the show. You obviously work five. Mm. So let's (laughs) go behind the scenes and tell me what it's like to actually experience that on a daily basis. Because people who sit at home and watch the show, it's a seamless production.
1: Uh, Well, hopefully. Behind the
0: scenes, I imagine (laughs) there's a lot of uh, tense moments and a lot of things that have gone wrong, that do Mm -hmm. go wrong, that may not go wrong, but, you know, you're sort of joining the the dots and putting the jigsaw together while the show's actually going to air. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, I guess it's a little bit like organised chaos um, and it's a real adrenaline rush because you walk out some days you walk out feeling just on top of the world and just like there's nothing better. But then other days you walk out going, I need a glass of wine (laughs) at (laughs) 9am because that's when it's over. Um, Look, it's, you've got a whole bunch of people in the control room it's this tiny dark little room no sunlight you can't see what the weather's like outside you just have no you're just in this tiny little world and basically from when we're all upstairs we walk down to the control room at 5 30 so that's when the show starts and once you're in there you can't leave your seat until nine like you unless you've Desperate to go to the loo or something, but really, uh, even then, like it's very hard to just get up because you're constantly working forward but staying present. Yep. Um, and the hosts are so into the show that they just want to have input all the time as well. So, like in ad breaks, they will be like, "How about we do this? And how about we do this? And what um, what's coming up? And maybe we can do it this this way." So. We're constantly trying to improve the show and make it better as it's happening as well. So it's not all locked in like maybe some people might think mm. before the show. It's completely fluid and changing literally up until the second before it goes to air. Um, so
0: Because if there's a breaking news story, right, you have to adapt.
1: Absolutely. But not only that, mm. there's other things that will happen like a link will drop out or a guest won't show up or, and you've got to really know how to think quick act fast and just I guess sort of I don't want to say fudge your way through because it is like you know a skill but just do your best to just try and make sure you never go to black and I think that's probably where my radio skills come in really well because you have to move so fast (laughs) and my boss even says to me something he's like gosh, you're fast. And I'm like, I have to be because otherwise like, yeah. yeah. Um, and we've also got some amazing editors who I have to work quickly with them and the way they can cut overlay or footage to get it to air or like little sots or grabs of people so that we can fill 30 seconds where we're missing 30 seconds worth of stuff. And they can get it to us so quickly as well, which also makes all the difference. So Again, it's a whole team of people all working together to make sure we never go to black.
0: (laughs) Tell me about the stars that you work with. Obviously, there's people there on the show that people at home think they know. So I want you to share with me different things about the people that we may not necessarily know. So we'll start with Carl. So what's Carl Stefanovic? What's what's he like to you? What's he like to work with?
1: He's a legend and he's pretty much exactly as he looks on the TV. He's probably a little bit more reserved most of the time off camera, um, but he's a lovely guy, awesome to work with. He gives a lot of feedback um, and luckily for me most of it's been really good, um, especially when I've done packages with him. And at the end of it or after he's watched it, he'll be like, that was really good. Like that was definitely worth doing. Or once I made him and Dickie and Lisa go on an airplane and a helicopter and a speedboat and Mm. like we were up in Broome and I got them up at 7 a.m. and they didn't get back until 5 p.m. And he was like, this is the longest day I've ever worked. (laughs) But it was totally worth it. It was really good in the end. So I think... He, him and all the rest of the host, to be honest, they're so tied up with all these other commitments and today's show, like whenever we can get time to do stuff with them, it's such a treat because they are really genuinely lovely to work with.
0: Lisa Wilkinson, what's she like?
1: She's lovely as well. Real professional. Um, she will look at every fine detail of a script. Um or a segment, or she'll always want to add her own questions as well. So will Carl. Carl also writes his own political stuff too. Um, So she's sort of very much involved in the show, and she's on our conference call every afternoon as well. Um, And and just, yeah, really professional, lovely woman, yeah.
0: Sylvia Jeffries, what's she like?
1: She is exactly the same as you see her on the TV as well. Yeah, she's so fun and bubbly and... um, but also very wise and her, her and I hang out a lot after the show just because she lives very close to me. We do the same hours. Um, so it's very easy to sort of go for a walk or have a glass of wine or something and um, she is just taken to the show like a duck to water and has just gone from sort of, you know, here to here, or zero to one hundred, you know, in well, such a short have, time. Well, it wouldn't
0: have been an easy thing for her to do replacing someone like Georgie Gardner, who was Definitely so not. well respected and such a an important part of the fabric of the show. Yeah. To replace somebody like that yeah. is not necessarily going to be partic- And I, I don't mean to sound this in a derogatory fashion, but particularly for a woman, because uh, women on TV seem to be under a whole lot more scrutiny than what the guys are just because Um, so to actually do that and to like you say just move in so seamlessly it must really show how talented she is in her ability to adapt
1: she's so talented and very smart and very quick-witted and, uh, you know, all that comes across. um, She very much was aware that she had big shoes to fill Um, and so she didn't try and do the same thing as Georgie. She didn't try and do anything sort of different. She just did her own thing and has worked really hard every day. You know, she's in those news scripts as much as she can before each bulletin. Uh, We try and keep her clear so she can really focus um, so she can make the bulletins her own. I can't even describe. I just love her so much. <laughs> She's just such a lovely person. But also, you know, she, her and I are really similar age, so you know, it's there's a bigger bond there than with the other hosts, I guess.
0: And Jim Gilbert,
1: he's hilarious. He's just like. The office dad, he's a real jokester. Um, I've done a few packages with him where he's um, filmed kids, like asking them about their mums and their dads and Christmas and the Easter Bunny and all that, and he just does them so well and and he, he's so fun and easy to work with um, and he just gets things done so quickly. So it's it's such a treat that you can just sort of knock out a package really quickly and, I mean, obviously these guys are tired as well, so... Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he's a lovely guy, a real family man.
0: And Richard Wilkins, having the entertainment bent that you have, you must yeah. enjoy really working with him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've done a few things with him. Um, he's just, ugh, he's so generous and such a lovely human being and also such an amazing writer. He writes a lot of his stuff and he's so passionate.
0: A lot of people would assume that, that that wouldn't happen. That it'd all be there for him on, on a mm, platter. But mm. uh, you're saying that he takes the time out to actually make yeah. craft those things to, to to work them the way that he would want them.
1: Absolutely. Um, most of the time. Um, and he writes it the way he writes his packages is with it's either a pencil or a pen. But I feel like it's a pencil and on a piece of paper. And will flip it over and then write another one. Like he doesn't actually write type scripts or anything. Old school. Really old school, um, but it's so fun to watch. Like he'll literally craft this most amazing piece of work before your eyes in like five minutes, go in and voice it, and then he's out. And then the the editors will just put the package together from, from his voice. So, um Yeah. but he's just lovely he's always keen to put on sort of social occasions and make sure everyone's really sort of together as a group as well like he's very into that um and one other person or actually two other people i mention, is also stevie jacobs and ross greenwood also the biggest gentlemen and lovely 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 people to work with like we're just I, i actually pinch myself every day that all the hosts are just so nice and so kind and even when you know, shit hits the fan at um, at work or in the control room or on the show. They're just they're so understanding and yeah, they know we're trying our best. So that's all you can ask for.
0: It sounds like from where you came from that you're actually in your dream job. The fact that you were a long time viewer of the Today Show and now you get to experience that when yeah. you go to
1: work every day. Yeah, I really do, and also I have a very. Um, cool boss, I guess not sucking up to him or anything. Um, but he really encourages us to be creative and think outside the box and bring ideas and try and make the show better. And so I throw ideas because we sit next to each other in the control room every day. Um, so I throw ideas at him, you know, all morning and he's like, yes, let's do this or, no, let's maybe try this way and so it encourages you to become a better producer. So you've as well.
0: got better at the pitch then, do you reckon?
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. The pitch at today's show is um seems to be working, yeah.
0: We'll wrap it up in a sec, but I just want to get some advice from you before we go Mm -hmm. about what you would do if you were the younger version of you. How would you get into the industry now?
1: I guess I probably wouldn't change too much, to be honest. I think the biggest thing, and this is what I still tell young people, is that you've got to get out there and network and meet people and do work experience. And so, I mean, all of those are really intertwined, like- Offer your skills and it's hard to turn. If you keep pushing, someone will say yes. Um, and
0: Then it's up to you, right?
1: Yeah, you've got to show initiative, I think, because it's such a tough industry, not just because it's popular, but it's a really gruelling job and it's not for the faint-hearted. and it also is a good idea to go in and see if it's actually what you want to do. Um, and, I mean, I never thought... I would become a producer. I always thought I wanted to be a reporter. And, you know, part of me still really likes the reporting side of it, but I just I don't think I could do it full-time and I don't know if I've got the guts to do what some of those reporters do. Um, They all do such an amazing job. And so for me, I would say just go out and try everything um, and see what you like and then maybe you'll get a better idea of which path you should go down.
0: Finally, I just remembered something. You were involved in... uh... Perhaps one of the more famous radio blooper tapes of all time.
1: (laughs) I was hoping we wouldn't talk about
0: (laughs) that. Now, if I can find it, I'll put it in. No,
1: please don't. How did that
0: all come about? Take me behind the scenes there, because you got set up by somebody, and you—I've got to say—you read that script (laughs) like nothing was going to bother you at all.
1: I was so young. Um, so I assume you're talking about the bowling ball incident.
0: Yeah, I am. Yeah. The bowling ball incident.
1: <laughs> the ladies from the newsroom, I'm Victoria Owens. A woman's been sexually assaulted while she stood at an intersection in Brisbane's Bayside. The 53-year-old was allegedly standing at a corner in Manly just before 8 o'clock last night when a man grabbed her on the crotch and the arse like a bowling ball. Police are looking for an Asian man in his late teens with a slim build and blonde dyed hair. I'll have to make sure I tag the girls involved in this so they can hear this. Um, And we still talk about it uh, to this day. Um, But basically um, it was one of the girls' last days at work Um, and they'd been trying to catch us out all morning. Um, and so they'd been changing scripts just as a little joke and I think it was my last bulletin of the day and they'd changed one word and I had seen that already um, but I literally, because obviously, maybe not obviously, um, but you can read all your scripts before you get in and you can have a little practice before you actually go to air. Yep. So I had done that and everything looked fine and then once I was on air... There was a few extra words in my script <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I realized what I had said and so I, was, I just like had to keep reading.
0: You kept it together yeah. remarkably well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I called my dad. I was like, oh, my God, I've ruined my career and I've only just started. Um, and he was very understand. He's like, it's fine, it's fine. And then, uh, and then I, it wasn't until a few days later actually that we started getting calls about it. Yeah.
0: So that was your debut on Media Watch, was it? Or did, did it make it that far or uh, it? You didn't just-
1: go to Media Watch. It went into Sydney Confidential actually. But it was a very slow time. It was like just before Christmas or something or or it, I don't know. I remember it being very slow and there was not much going on in Sydney Confidential. So um I made the news and uh yeah. My poor friend or former colleague got slammed in the article um, when she was probably just having a bit of fun, but yeah.
0: What happened when you came off air? Uh, were you laughing or were you angry?
1: I was a little bit of both. I was like, what the hell was that? Like, what did I just say? And they were all just shocked because they thought I would have seen it and then sort of skipped yeah. over it. But I had a real anchor man moment and uh, read exactly what was in front of me. Sadly, and uh, luckily for me it didn't ruin my career. I went on to 2GB and Greater Things. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was that was not fun. It is funny in retrospect and it is funny for everyone else. But, um, yeah, it's something we still laugh about today, thank God. And we're all still very close and very good friends, so it hasn't ruined the friendship.
0: It's good you can still laugh about it. Victoria oh, Owens, so, yeah. thanks very much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me. There
0: she is, Victoria Owens from Channel 9. If you really enjoyed my chat today with Victoria, please let her know by sending her a tweet. She's at Victoria underscore Owens nine. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at AU. Check out the Facebook page. Most importantly, if you could subscribe in iTunes, that'd be great. It means you won't miss an episode. While you're there, please leave a rating or review. That way more people will learn about the show. Until next time, I'm Ralph Tucker, and this has been the MediaMates Podcast. Media mates bot